Welcome to Intelligogy with Tracy Browder, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. I'm very excited today. Yes, you finally get to hear me say I'm excited again. I know you've heard lots of emotions in my podcast lately, uh, but I am very excited that I have with us today Michael Williford. He is a middle school principal in California. Hi, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing well, Tracy. Uh, definitely honored to be on here with you to talk about uh, you know the world right now. So, well, I'm so glad you took time out of your schedule. And friends, um, let me tell you a little bit how Michael and I connected. Um, today is Sunday, and yesterday, um, the the gracious friends at Lead Like a Pirate, Shelley uh, Burgess and Beth Huff, were nice enough to ask me. They, they invited me into their space and gave me their platform for the Lead Like a Pirate Twitter chat. Gosh, we just needed to talk. We had so many people come out. The topic was um, leading by learning. You have to learn. We have to realize what we don't know in order to lead and take people where we need them to go. So that being said, I put it into context. And in that conversation, um, several, so many people poured out their hearts. We were honest, we were transparent. But one of the responses uh, popped up from Michael, and he shared um, some things that he'd been doing. Because one of the questions was, you know, how can we be a part of the change? He said, checking in on friends and listening. Then that led me to calling the families at my school personally to check on them and have discussions about making change. This led to a roundtable discussion with the African-American community with school board members. So, Michael, that's where we want to start. And, and ironically, listeners, I should tell you, Michael didn't realize that that moved me. And I screenshot it because I wanted to talk to him further and learn more about it and invite him onto Intelligoji, the podcast. and. He was sending me a message asking me to participate in something with him. So we're going to talk about both of those things. Um, but, but first, Michael, jump in and tell us the backstory behind what you shared with us. Well, uh, the, there's lots to it, actually, lots to the backstory on it. Uh, first off, you know, talking about checking with my friends. Um, I grew up in uh, Bloomington, California. Uh, Real, just it's Real, next to Rialto, so it's just outside, about 50 miles outside of Los Angeles. So the areas I grew up in um, does have a pretty large um, African-American community, black community in it. So growing up, uh, playing sports and athletics, uh, definitely built a lot of lifelong relationships with, uh, with friends, uh, all races, but, you know, but definitely friends. Um, so when all this started to happen socially in America, uh, my first instinct was to call my friends now who have been kind of sporad- you know, dispersed all over the country, just to one, make sure that they're okay, to make sure that they were healthy and okay. And, and then also to start the discussion with them on what do I need to do or what can I do as an administrator, as a, as a principal, someone in education to help start to change this, this philosophy, this, this not philosophy, but this system that we have in America right now to really support our, our black youth and African-American communities. Um, so that was a really, you know, I think I talked about four different friends of mine um, about an hour each. So they were long conversations, uh, but they, they definitely, you know, helped guide me to, 
that next piece, which I, I said in that tweet was, you know, after talking to them, uh, I felt that I needed to call my families, that they needed someone to check in on them as well. Uh, so then on Friday um, at work, I sat and I hand called every um, black uh, family in my school to check on them, to see how they're doing, to talk about our school, to talk about what we can do at our school to make it a better place for our, our, our black youth and African-American community. Uh, and um, from that, which is interesting, because I kind of posted on Facebook, actually, that a really good conversation with my best friend from high school uh, about, you know, just um, the things going on in the world. And a couple of board members had actually followed me and asked me they want to be involved in this conversation, which then kind of led to our, our, our next you know, topic about, you know, building that black community coalition roundtable. Um, and listeners, <laughs> I should tell you that Michael and I were talking just moments before we started recording, and um, I, there, there were a few moments of emotions on my end, so I'm going to try to keep my composure uh, through the conversation. But um, I asked Michael the question, um, if he wouldn't mind sharing his race, his culture, and Michael, you told me you are? Uh, I'm white. So we have a white male leading a campus, um, and he knew there were some things he didn't know, and he took the right steps. He reached out to trusted friends to um, talk to them and get some insight, and I said I wasn't going to get emotional, I'm sorry, um, to try to learn. and. Michael, you were moved to do some other things, but I want to stop for a minute and ask you to talk to us about how did you feel after those conversations that went at least an hour long with each person? Um, were there things that you didn't know prior to the conversations? How did you feel after you had those conversations? What did you learn? Well, I learned, I learned a lot about, um, you know, it's hard because I know that, you know, we do live in America and it's got some amazing things, amazing possibilities for, for people of all races, of course, and creeds. But then it was just the systemic things that you're just not aware of, especially being, you know, a white male, um, you know, and things I didn't even think about, things you throw away in your head. Because um, growing up, like I said, I grew up with these guys and um, I remember times when we would be in, um, you know, a car driving somewhere together, you know, getting pizza, something small like that. And we might get pulled over. And in my mind, I didn't think anything of it. It was just, we were getting pulled over, no big deal. Mm -hmm. So we kind of reflected on things like that where like that, and they would tell me things like, Hey Mike, remember that time that we got pulled over on the way to Nickelodeon pizza? I'm like, yeah, like, dude, that happens to us all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the more powerful things was actually, you know, not just my friend conversations because we have great relationships so we can have conversations like that. But it was actually the, the family members or the parents, I should say, of my, of my, of my school. Those ones hit me even more because um, one, one young mom, she uh, shared with me that, you know, we were talking about systemic racism and things in society. And she told me the story of how when they go to the grocery store, that she has to prep her kids to go into the store. And I was asking, like, what do you mean? 
And she said, look, Mr. Williford, you have to understand, like, when we go into the store, I tell my kids, like, you keep your hands out of your pocket. You stay next to each other. You don't grab anything off the shelf that you're not, you don't plan on buying. Uh, we don't need to give anybody in the store any, any, um, any ideas they, to think that we're doing something wrong. Uh, so those are a couple of just kind of brief com. I mean, they don't even put enough light on everything I learned and talked about with them, but just a couple of quick examples though, of, of that, um, learning about, you know, those systems that currently exist and, and the things that are, are I said, our, our black community have to, to move through to, to, to try to get to success. You know, Michael, um, I, I shared, a few days ago, which was so hard for me, but I felt like I had to do it. I sat down and it was painful. I share, I, I recorded a video, um, just kind of the same thing his mom said. I, I was sharing the stories that I have within my family. And, you know, I think what's coming to light is every Black family has their own story and they're all similar. Um, we live in an extremely diverse neighborhood. Uh, when, when the elementary school opened here, my son was only like one of three, maybe four um, blacks. The rest were white, mostly white. Um, and nobody, nobody knows. Nobody has had any idea all these years of um, the black code or, or the secret rules that we have to follow. Um, because we have such joy in our hearts and, 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 you know, we're, we're, we love the Lord and and we're raising a beautiful family. And so we have all this joy. And so we seem so happy and we invite people in our home and we have all these fellowship dinners and we just love, 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 love people. So nobody has ever seen us as having that struggle. So when I shared the video, then I was moved to record, um, a podcast episode with just me talking. Then I was moved to ask, I have a black husband and two black sons. One is 14 and one is 19. And um, we, we've been through some situations, even including um, me just going to the store by myself, the like um, a retail store um, and, and being watched. And um, I share a story where the, the clerk was watching me so that she missed um, a Caucasian lady actually putting something in her bag and I had to tell her. So, um, you know, all of those put our hands, don't put your hands in your pocket. Our sons can't wear hoodies. Can't don't put your hoodie on your head. Don't put your hood on your head. My son plays, um, football and runs track to condition. And before Maud Aubrey was gunned down, um, my son was asking, mom, I, I just, can I go out and run? I'm like, no, no, baby, you can't run. He's like, why not? I said, honey, you, you, it's not safe. And you could kind of tell he, he, he got it, of course, because we always have conversations, but there was frustration that he couldn't run. And then two weeks later, um, Ahmaud Aubrey was going down for running in his own neighborhood and not by police officers, just by citizens. So I sat my son down and we watched and you could just see almost like a ton of bricks being poured on him. He sank deeper into the couch and I think he connected easily that that could have been me or that is me. He saw himself in Ahmaud Aubrey. He quickly connected with why I said, baby, you can't run. Um, and so 
that's our everyday. And that was actually the name of my video, Michael, that it's our everyday. So when when you share with me um, that you took time to talk to each Black family, um, I hope you understand why I am emotional. Uh, because you want to learn and you understand that there is something going on and you're doing what the best you possibly can to make a difference. And so I hope this episode will be listened to by administrators, by board members, by people that can um, and have the power to change things. So I want you to tell us a little more about um, the, the, well, you've told me so much. Let, let's start with the coalition that talk to us a little bit more about how that's molding and shaping and what your vision is for that. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, after I said, so hearing, you know, um, the stories from my friends and then the community members, of course, and families in my school, um, I felt that we needed to, and, and to, to really bring it together, though to really have all these stories in one area uh, because, you know, I can, and, and definitely I'll be using these stories and, you know, to help, um, help, to help educate other white folks, because I know we need to speak up more and we need to help support the cause. Uh, but I need to do a better job of, of reaching out to, you know, white educators and, and my friends, personal friends that may not be of color, to educate them on some of these things that are happening. So they understand a little bit deeper of what's going on. So that's the first step of this. But then of course, going to the coalition, I, I need, I wanted, my idea is to just get my, cause I said the people in this coalition are going to be alumni, which are my friends, um, community members who don't even have kids who go to the school, but they live in the community, um, current parents, past parents, uh, I, I said, I want to bring in um, other individuals, you know, who have the same cause going on with them, like you, Tracy. And then I'm bringing in uh, actually a University of Redland professor who actually does education for future teachers. Um, mm-hmm. He's African-American, too. But I kind of wanted to bring everybody in first with the school board members and a couple other people at district office who are not of color to just hear, to hear the stories to hear the cultural concerns that are out there in our neighborhoods uh, that kind of flow into the school and they kind of don't. I mean, it ebbs and flows. Um, we're not perfect. I'll never say a school is perfect because you're dealing with kids and you know a million different um, ideologies. But for the most part, though, you can kind of control the school environment a little bit more. But it's the community environment that we've got to really make change in. And that's how the way we do that is through education, education and informing uh, people uh, who can make change and policies to to eradicate some of these things in our communities. Michael, um, I applaud and appreciate and am so very grateful and deeply moved, as you can clearly see, and I think I surprised you a little bit, I'm sorry, um, by your um, your heart work. And um, I appreciate it. So I want you to tell us in in our brief conversation we had before we started the episode, you took me back to the beginning of school. And can you share um, some of the initiatives that you started um, kind of at the beginning of school and, and where you are now with those things? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, naturally I said that it's something um, equity overall in education has been something I've been really working on the last two to three years at my school site uh, just because it's prevalent. You know, it's there. Uh, it's definitely one of the things that affects the achievement gap and, you know, and it definitely affects the, you know, the graduation rates of our kids in, um, you know, socioeconomic issues as well as, you know, kids of color. So we took about, I said about uh, two years ago, I started working on myself as far as an equity campaign concern, getting trained, educated on the, on how to uh, better create a school with equity across the board for all of our kids coming in. And then last, last summer, actually, um, which is really amazing, the Avid Institute, uh, I'm not sure if you know what Avid is, but it's a, uh, um, it's. This is something that's at the middle and high schools to help, you know, kids get to college, present for college. So they actually had an equity institute at their at their summer program. And uh, myself and I had uh, two of our our advisors for AVID. Um, they attended the equity institute with me. And it was really good because it got the conversation started about trying to move, you know, from equality to equity to justice for the kids at our school. Uh, again, at that time, though, the conversation was more about all kids, you know, special ed, EL learners really wasn't. I mean, it wasn't specifically focused on, on, on our black students, but it was just about equity in general. Just how do we get it and achieve um, equity for all of our kids at school? So that's how it started. And then the next piece that came up that was actually was pretty powerful was actually the school district um, then did an equity institute for schools kind of based off the similar information. Uh, but we did an equity institute with them through our AXA Academy, um, which brought out different conversations about, again, how do we create equity? How do we support initiatives at school to make sure that, you know, everyone feels involved, you know, from transgender kids to, you know, our African-American kids, black kids to to every component. And um, so that was our, our initial part to start the year. And it was a, the great part about that was it led to our own personal equity academy academy at the school that was actually led by teachers and so what they did is they did a five a five day session um, one hour a day um, on our training days about equity and they we, we talked about what equity is we defined it and then the next the next session we actually did we told our own stories because we wanted to be able to relate to everybody so we needed to hear everybody's stories in the school from, you know, from from our, our white educators to the uh, black educators at my school to across, you know, everybody. We need to know our stories. And, and so the big piece of that training was teaching people to how to get stories out of people, to relate to them, to understand their backstories of where they, they how they are, what they are today. And then we followed it up with, which was probably the, the biggest thing I felt was amazing, which is I led this piece. We did an equity bus ride. So I took all the staff on a bus ride on a Wednesday after school around the entire community. And we went from location to location and we stopped and we talked about it. And we looked at the apartment complexes and we looked at the, the low income housing and we looked at the streets with no sidewalks and we looked at the mobile home parks and we just, we stopped at each location so they can, so the staff could understand um, this is the community we serve, and this is the, the kids who come in. This is the resources they're lacking, uh, and it's up to us to figure out ways to reach those kids to get them to their potential so that they can be those next teachers, doctors, lawyers, business owners in our community. 
And then we follow that last piece up with um, a, a equity challenge for the next school year for 2020, 2021, as far as what they're going to do as a department to help increase equity within their department to make sure that all kids achieve. And that's kind of how our, our beginning of the year started. That's beautiful, Michael. Um, and I'm, I'm just sitting here listening, thinking so many thoughts, um, but let me try to stay focused. What you did and are doing is you're getting people out of their bubble. And that's the problem in school is as educators, people are guilty of only looking through their lenses. Great heart. People have great, great hearts, amazing people. But we are subconsciously, ignorantly, silently guilty of looking through our own lenses. And I, I've, I've been kind of opening up more um, because of what's happened. And, um, you know, I've been asking this question on social media. You know, when when the news hits about George Floyd or Tatiana Jefferson or Breonna Taylor, or, I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on, both of them, John, um, are families of other races sitting down and listening, really, really listening to the news? Because here's the thing, when, when, when those things happen on the news, we have to call our family together. We sit on the sofa, we watch. And then we talk through it. We we go to YouTube and we watch the tough videos. I mean, because that's that's um, you know, let's take Ahmad Aubrey for instance. That's my son who wanted to run, um, and I had to tell him no. Or you know, so we have to talk through those situations, and we have to. That's where the secret code and the rules come from is, okay, this is why, honey, you, you can't run. And, and as parents, a lot of times, Michael, we feel so helpless because I have a 19-year-old who's home right now because of COVID-19. But once he's released to go back to school in Oklahoma, he's going to go back to school. Mom and dad can't be there. We can't get there fast enough if he stopped and something happens or if a vigilante citizen does something. So... We just have to pray. And, and so the burden, the burden that we carry, Michael, is so heavy and it's so silent. And so many people have no clue that that's the burden that we're carrying. And you are helping people uncomfortably go outside of their bubble. So I don't know if you understand the work that you're doing, um, how much the people you're impacting, how much they appreciate it. Um, and I just hope that um, people listen to this episode, that you're, you, you continue to share on social media what your work is, but your board members already picked up um, just by being on Facebook. So keep sharing your work. You know, one of the things that kind of to, to piggyback out that was the things that actually we talked about to, to my friends about and this is the thing I think that um, I was struggling with because, uh, you know, one is I was, I was somewhat aware of the situation, but not to the extreme I am now. 
And so it's so hard because it's not like I don't want to, which is, this is my own personal internal struggle, which was, uh, you know, how do, how do I get the message out without one, you know, um, trying to look like somebody who's just trying to be at the forefront of this, you know, as a, as a, as a white savior, that's the thing I don't want, you know, it's definitely not the, the idea. And I asked my friend, uh, his name is Xavier that in, in Georgia, and he's like, Mike, look, he's all, honestly, you need to not worry about what it looks like right now. You just need to do what you're doing. Like, don't stress on that. He's like, be authentic. Uh, you know, keep an open, tra- be, be transparent, keep an open communication. And your actions will prove that what you're doing is is legit. And uh, so that was one of the things I had to wrestle with and that I was going back and forth with as far as I wanted. It's for the I want to make sure that it's it's definitely going to be for the right reasons and it's not misconstrued. Uh, but again, though, he really helped me with that and said, you need to not worry about that right now. And you need to just, you need to do what you need to do to help support the, the, the cause as well as to, again, just be authentic. You know, Michael Xavier gave you some amazing advice and, um, I, I connect with you and, and believe it or not, even though, even though I am black, even though I'm sharing with you all of these intimate personal struggles, I struggle too with. Um, sharing and trying to be part of the change, there's always the worry about the perception. You know, are, are you trying to put your name out there? Are you trying to, in your case, be a savior? Or You know, we, ha- at some point, I had to make the decision and know that I know who I am. I know my heart. I am not trying to go make history. You know, I, I am simply trying to open the door of my home and, and, and provide some insight and then help lead delicate conversations because people are so uncomfortable. People are so scared to say anything. People are so worried. If I say this, it, it might come out offensive or, or maybe I should just be quiet. So everybody, black, white, Hispanic, everybody is feeling so many emotions, Michael. And I, I think we do have to just keep moving forward and know that our our true hearts are going to shine through it all. Um, and, and it is a struggle. It, it's a constant struggle. You know, I don't know about you, but um, I have butterflies sometimes before I type and hit send on something. You know, will somebody pounce on it? And you don't you fear back. You don't want backlash because your heart is in such a good place. Um, but but that's where that courage of leadership comes in, that humility um, to just move forward. We have to move the work forward. And Michael, this morning I was talking to um, some really good friends and I kind of gave this example. Um Che Chaney of the Staff Room Podcast and Pav Wonder, they did an, a beautiful um, live broadcast. They, they do the drive. It's a Friday morning um, education kind of radio show on Voice Ed Canada that they do every Friday. But this past Friday, it was the theme was kind of what's going on, you know, just trying to enlighten and, and bring conversation around um, the racial tension. And Che said something. He said, I have the historically dominant white male voice and I have to listen. I have to learn. 
I have to step back a bit. So, so that humility, but then that, that, that humility and heart to know the shoes that he's in and the shoes that you're in, but you know, there's work to do. And, and so here's the thing I was telling them that, um, you know, because you have that historically white dominant male voice, all of a sudden we kind of think, oh, I should be quiet and, and let the black voices amplify because on a normal day, the black voices are kind of silent. You know, we don't we don't have the same opportunities as everybody else. We have the secret code that we live by. So historically, it is the white dominant voice. But right now, a lot of people are saying, let the black voices amplify. So then you have all the other races quiet. So the pendulum swings, um, but it's like the scale keeps tipping on either side and there needs to be balance. And the only way there can be balance is by exactly what we're doing. Um, a white male and a black woman <laughs> having a conversation on the racial heat, tension, boiling pot. We're doing that right now. We're having that conversation. And that needs to continue to happen. And that's why I applaud your work with the coalition. I applaud your work with Equity Ride. I applaud your work with learning through the Avid Equity Institute. And I just applaud your heart. Um, so thank you. And um, yeah, sometimes we just can't worry about what others think and we have to move forward, Michael. Well, no, I agree. And, and that's definitely something that, you know, I've taken to heart now. Um, and then with that, though, it's now it's become, you know, definitely, I mean, these have been conversations I've had in my own family, you know, for years. And so now I have my son, I have a son too, he's 20. Um, and so he has actually been volunteering at different events. Uh, before this even, he was actually doing um, some political campaigning for Bernie Sanders. And then uh, now he's just working on other advocacy components. So, uh, and then I have a daughter actually who goes to, it's funny, um, I actually, we live in a different community from where we work, of course, okay. most people do. Um, but my daughter um, actually goes to the high school that I went to. I went to Bloomington High School, which actually is in the district I work in. And my daughter goes to the high school that I went to instead of the one in our community, because we wanted to make sure that our children have that exposure to the world culture and not just some culture in the area that we that we live in. Things we continue to work on as a family, too, to make sure that uh, because, again, this is generational, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we've got to like you are doing with your children. I need to do with my own children and family to make sure that they're educated on what's going on in the world and the things they can do to again make change because uh, it's going to happen over time you know we would love for things to just be dropped today and all of a sudden we're in this utopia but we know it doesn't work that way we know that it's almost like a bad addiction right uh, it's like a bad habit that's existed for years and it takes time to undo a habit um and, not, and i'm not saying racism is a habit i'm i'm let me rephrase uh, yeah <laughs> But but I understand what you're saying. But it just takes time, though, for things to be undone. You know, especially mm -hmm. things are generationally done. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to take generations to undo it. But we need to start taking the steps now to make those that directional leap in the right direction. And that comes even with educating my own kids and making sure that they're ready to take on this fight and this challenge as we move forward as a country. Michael, thank you um, for your work. 
thank you for taking time out to talk to me. And I know we'll definitely be getting back together soon. And I, I'm, I'm humbly grateful that you've invited me to be a part of the coalition. I can't wait um, to hear what you want my role to be in that. Just just being part of change. We, we all need to, to be a part of the change. So, Michael, thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again. Um, I, I, you're inspiring me uh, because there's hope. And and I just, I really, really want you to know that all the way in Texas, <laughs> I really, really thank you for your work. Well, well, Tracy, I just, again, thank you again for having me on. And uh, I appreciate all you're doing. I learned a lot yesterday just from our little uh, Twitter uh, professional learning yesterday. Some great things out there other educators are doing too. Uh, it's going to take a team to to make this 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 happen. And I'm glad that uh, I have you got I've got you on my team. So I'm glad you're on my team too, Michael. And so, Michael, before we go, really, really quickly, if listeners want to follow you, connect with you, continue to see how you're helping, be part of the change, how can they follow and find you? Uh, they can do a couple different things. They could definitely, if they need to, um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, they can find me either under your Twitter feed, of course, as a follower, or if they just look look me up, uh, I believe my Twitter feeds uh, is at mwilliffordjbms is my Twitter following uh, handle. And then also, too, feel free to reach out to me through email, uh, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L underscore Williford, W-I-L-L-I-F-O-R-D at cjusd.net and I'll gladly you know get a hold or reply um, send you any information I have my equity institute components that we've done Um, again it's about working together to create change and I'm here to support anybody who wants to help make change oh Michael I really appreciate that especially offering to share your equity institute I feel like that's going to be so helpful for so many schools trying to learn um So yeah, we appreciate it. Friends, thank you for hanging in there with us. I hope you've been inspired. Definitely go follow Michael and and keep up with all of his hard work and uh, being part of the change. We'd like to thank you for joining us at Intelligogy, the podcast, where together we are disrupting educational normalcy. Until next time.